Hello and welcome to episode 296 of The Yellow Wallpot. I'm your host Stefan Botsko and today we talk about Borussia Dortmund's yet again 2-2 draw against SC Freiburg on Saturday. And for all that and more joins me the one and only Lars Polman. Hello Lars, how are you doing? Are you back on track after catching a deadly man flu last week? Uh, I don't appreciate the insinuation uh, <laughs> that, that, that indeed I wasn't all that sick because I spent most of a full work week and me being a freelancer, that means I didn't get paid for a week basically, uh, in bed, which, you know, is more fun when you're 18 and missing school than when you're 30 and trying to uh, make a living. But I'm back uh, among the living, Stefan. So thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well myself. Um, unfortunately, we don't have any sponsors for this episode, which means Lars and I get to dive right into what happened on uh, Friday, uh, on Saturday in Freiburg. Um, I feel like this didn't exactly help you in your healing process, Lars. So, um, I don't know where to begin. So I'll just let you rant first and then I'll go second. <laughs> Well, actually, uh, you know, they say humor is the best medicine, and I guess Gallo's humor also counts among that. I mean, uh, the, the, the third straight kind of bizarre game where everybody could see coming, uh, what happened in the final, let's say 20 odd minutes after Dortmund's second goal, they predictably went back into their hedgehog defense, uh, which is trying <laughs> to roll up in a ball and hope nothing happens, which predictably failed once again. Um, I think there's there's something to be said for Manuel Akanji being the guy making the own goal after Thomas Delaney, so two players whom I've been very hard on over the uh, months. And I think Akanji generally has been uh receiving a lot of criticism over the last few weeks and months uh rightfully so because he's been absolutely awful for most of i would say the last 6 months or so ever since he's been ever since he's been back from his hip injury he's been terrible and there's no reason Farfus still picks him outside of him being in love with the idea of Hummels and Akanji together which hasn't really worked so far but that's that's maybe too uh specific for the rant you asked for so no go ahead <laughs> um i now i'm i mean in in isolation i think uh, a 2-2 two, two draw at freiburg uh the way they are going this season uh, they have a lot of crucial players in great runs of form so uh, christian gunter for example is probably the best left back in the bundesliga right now and i mean uh it's not like he got called up for the germany team despite you know everyone and their mother being injured there but uh He's still on a, on a really good run of form. Uh, a few of their attacking players are doing really well. They, it was obvious that Luca Waldschmidt was going to score against Dortmund because I think I'm not the only one who kind of thinks that signing him next summer would be a, a pretty likely move for Dortmund. So, I mean, if, if this was in isolation a, a two-all draw at Freiburg, I don't think that would have been a too terrible result. I mean, they are... I think fourth in the table now. So they are definitely among the best teams in the Bundesliga as of right now. But obviously after already dropping, uh, four points of leads against Frankfurt and Bremen playing at your favorite opponents based on statistics. I mean, they haven't lost and still haven't lost to Freiburg since I think 2009 in the league. Uh, you would definitely expect more, but I mean, 
this is basically who Dortmund have been, especially away from home, outside of a couple of games. Incidentally, one of them at Freiburg, which in my opinion was one of the best performances of all of uh, last season, certainly the second half of the season. But this is kind of who they've been for the better part of 2019. So I'm not sure that I'm necessarily angry at performances like that. It's more, I'm, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed kind of thing, which I guess is apt uh, because as you reminded me, before we started recording, I am old now. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I mean, here's the thing. So um, my wife and I went down to Easton where my mother-in-law lives and she is uh, 77 years old and she invited us for a lunch to celebrate my green card and um, she I think in her whole life has watched now 10 games of soccer or whatever and even she pointed out to me that uh, Borussia Dortmund well she she could not understand she she was asking me about the game plan why in the hell they just try to run down the clock and not attack anymore and uh, she also asked me why players just fall down and, and wait for a call and not get back up and defend um, Mr. Hakimi. So um, what I'm trying to say here, it doesn't take any genius expert, Spielverlagerung.de uh, mastermind or anyone um, to see that Dortmund right now are too chicken when it comes to go for a second goal even. Um, I mean, if, if you even want to talk about Dortmund trying to score the first one, to be honest, but uh, especially whenever Dortmund take the lead, they sort of switch into maintenance mode and then every single attack, I feel like, breaks down 20 meters away from the opponent's goal and they just try to recycle possession and, and keep the ball because it, be, it could be too risky to lose it. Oh no, the opponent might score. And so this goes on forever and ever and ever. And um, my main... My main point here is, hey, I'm watching the game. I want to be freaking entertained, right? So where the hell is the fun? This is not fun. If you just watch this for, I don't know, half hour, don't want doing freaking nothing. And then, uh, yeah, at some point, obviously, the opponent will realize, oh, we are just one goal down. We can score. We can equalize in Freiburg. Even though they were pretty much dead in the water, they had their yeah final push. And then it just won. It wasn't even a good cross. Just one bad cross into the box. Akanji deflects it right into, I think, Waldschmidt's path it was. Uh, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, because Hakimi and Akanji can obviously communicate. So, um, yeah. And this is this is how you concede the goal. But the, the main point, look at the, the way Dortmund scored the own goal against Frankfurt and then against Freiburg. These goals never happen if, if you don't allow yourself to be pushed back so far into your own box. And this is just so annoying. And um, the the overlying point I'm trying to make here is um, Dortmund should remember what kind of club they are and what kind of fans they have and what their fans want to see and attack for crying out loud to show some freaking desire to score another goal after you went one and up. Usually, in theory, more spaces should open up and you should have more opportunity to go forward and, and score, and especially with the players you have. And this is, that leads me right to the next point because right now I just don't see Dortmund having a plan for that, to be honest. I just don't see the positional play that you need to 
have a clean combination play to really exert pressure on your opponent and, and create opportunities, even though you have a star-spangled <laughs> squad up front, star-studded with, I don't know how many creative players, midfielders, playmakers, that all can do that, but there's nothing. There are no runs, there are no passing angles, no speed. It's just... It's just drab, it's mediocre, it's boring, and it, it annoys me so much to see this literally every week. Last episode, I tried to be more cheerful. I thought, okay, we've seen a couple of good things here. Uh, Dortmund got a win on the road in the Champions League, which was important. But uh, then you go to Freiburg and score two goals out of, what was it, one and a half chances or so. I mean, that Witzel corner was amazing, but he doesn't hit that volley every time. And Hakimi literally just went by his own because the positional play in the box was too shit so um yeah but i i don't really recall any other big chances so this is this this is really nagging me and i think eulas wrote about it for fußball.news basically um that this is not uh yeah going along with 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 dortmund's dna yeah i mean everything you've just said uh i would uh, underline basically um I mean, Dortmund, they are trying as a club. I don't think the team, uh, but the club tries to portray a certain image. And uh, certainly the fans also have a level of expectations of the team. And I still think, even though it's a bit cliche to say in Dortmund, all you all the fans want to see is that you give your all. And even if you lose, that's okay. I mean, that's that's something from maybe 10 years ago. I mean, I think these days uh, fans in Dortmund also expect uh, some level of success and some level of um, however people want to define beautiful football or entertaining football or whatever but given uh, how this team is operating on match days uh, they they go against what their DNA or the DNA the, the club's portraying outwardly uh, what that is I mean as you said Dortmund don't attack uh, for a second goal or even the first goal. I mean, against uh, Freiburg, they uh, needed uh, a Witzel worldy. They they needed individual class in most games this season. I don't recall outside of the Augsburg game where also the defense and goalkeeper Thomas Kubik. I was uh, going to say they yeah. had individual class or lack thereof by the goalkeeper then. Yeah, I mean, outside of that game, there wasn't really one or, or, and, and maybe the final 13 minutes against Cologne. There, there wasn't really a single game where you can kind of point out, uh, uh, or that you can point out and say this is this is how Dortmund should look in 2019. This is how they drew it up, and and this is why they bought all these players and collected all this talent. I mean, basically, what they are doing is they they are putting 11 players on the pitch and say, you know, try to to get to to get something done by yourselves because there seems to be no real plan as to what they should do. In position, uh, possession, out of possession. As you said, the positional play has been horrid for Dortmund this season. There's very little, or the too few players offer runs uh, in the channels. There's not much movement uh, with the attacking players. I mean, uh, for the kind of talent Dortmund have assembled in their squad, this is absolutely pathetic what they are putting on the pitch and completely unacceptable, uh, in my opinion, just because, I mean, they, they paid what 130 million for really good players i mean we all agree that they signed that they they made good decisions on the transfer market so now the onus is on 
uh, Lucien Favre and his coaching staff, but also the players uh, to to get that working. Um, and and I want to say uh, a lot of criticism obviously has been heard towards Favre, and I think he deserves most of the blame, obviously because he's the head coach. He has the he's the one uh, that that has to hold it all together, and ultimately the the blame always lies with the head coach. I think, but I also want to say that. A player like Marco Reus, uh, his 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 main contributions this season, outside of scoring a few goals, which you know isn't really an indicator of performance necessarily, has been uh, uh, on the microphone after the game. I mean, it's it's okay to uh, use diversion tactics and and try to take pressure off the team and and uh, start like uh, discussions about certain terminologies. I think uh, long term listeners know that we don't really like the term mentality uh, either, but. At some point, I, I would like to see him forego an interview and actually have a good performance again, because I don't remember the last time he was really good. Even when he scored a brace against uh, Leverkusen, he didn't have a good game, in my opinion. Uh, the same can be said for someone like Jaden Sancho, who is obviously not uh, a leader and, and doesn't really speak much to the media and such, but he doesn't, hasn't really had a good performance to go with uh, his, his gaudy numbers. Uh, Manuel Akanji, Roman Burki, the, the list goes on and on with players who we know are much better than they have shown, but uh, who who struggle to get it done on the pitch. Uh, one one guy I would uh, kind of exclude from that is Axel Witzel. I think he's been uh, the the one mainstay who has actually held things together on the pitch. Uh, I also like that he doesn't give interviews all the time in this situation without playing well, as Marco Reus does. Uh, so, it, just in general, there, there seems to be, to me, uh, too much of a focus on Favre, too little pressure on the players, but the entire thing doesn't work right now. And uh, that's something that they kind of have to fix quickly, because if you look at the, the schedule they've played so far, uh, the, the hardest game for Dortmund has been Freiburg, who, as I said before, are pretty good this season, but they are still their favorite opponents and haven't beaten them. Uh, since the early Jürgen Klopp days, so uh, I think uh, Christian Streich, who's been who's the, the longest serving serving Bundesliga coach, had like three goals against Dortmund in all his years at the helm at Freiburg. So that was a game they still were expected to win. Now after the the international break that that's currently going on, they are playing Gladbach twice. They're playing Inter Milan twice, who are really good this season. They are playing Schalke, who are doing well. They are playing Bayern and they're playing Wolfsburg. Uh, Unless you subscribe to the theory that Dortmund will do better against decent teams, they are in real trouble if they keep this level of performance up. So we are talking right now about Dortmund being eighth and uh, having, I think, four uh, uh, four points or lacking four points on uh, league leaders Gladbach. Uh, that could turn into seven points on the first match day after the international break. And going by the performances they've put on the pitch in the last few weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if that turned out to be 10 or 12 points uh, when the next international break in November uh, comes around. And, and, and if that's the case, I think we are talking about uh, very drastic changes that need to be made. Yeah, I think by then we'll actually have a real coaching discussion. I mean, Michael Zorc, the sporting director, now is on the record. And I think what was it where he said, we don't have a coaching dis discussion at Dortmund which really is the entire season so far in a nutshell that even he has to go out and, and say that. Says it really all. And I have to say, um, Matsumil's saying after the Freiburg game that Dortmund 
were a bit unlucky in the last two games with their own goals and if they were not as unlucky they could be top of the table while that might be true in, in viewing these isolated incidents of, of their own goals also if if my grandmother had wheels she would have been a bike she would have what sorry your con connection just she would have been a bike <laughs> yeah That's a nice German idiom. I don't know if that translates, but yes. Uh, That's not actually not a German idiom. It's a, a famous quote from an Italian chef on, I think, British TV. But oh, is I it? Think people need, I think people need to search for that uh, video to make sense of what I just said. Is, is that the guy who had a complete meltdown because they tried to add... Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, <laughs> because she wanted to put ham in it. Yes. And what was it? Her bolognese or something? Uh, uh, might have been carbonara. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Anywho. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, no, with a little bit more luck, you could be top of the table. But even if you were top of the table, that wouldn't freaking help you in any sort of way. Remember the one season under Peter Bosch where Dortmund were at the top of the table for a very long time and then completely crashed and burned? Remember that being at the top of the table after seven match days doesn't really help you if your football isn't any good. So it doesn't really matter if you have a little bit of bad luck. It's your overall performances that stink. So I don't want to hear it. I really don't. I mean, everyone sucks right now, but not in the way that Dortmund suck. So um, get the fuck out of here with, with this bullshit. I just don't want to hear it anymore. I, I can't. I, I literally cannot hear it. So um, what I would recommend is uh, getting players like, for example, Julian Brandt, into uh, I don't know maybe maybe get him a personal trainer that teaches him how to defend and, and lump in there Jaden Sancho and all the rest of players because that's I guess the the, the basic right if we look at how Dortmund did not defend the uh, two two you know before the switch of play when the ball was still on Dortmund's right side and, and Jaden Sancho didn't really close down anybody these are exactly the moments that I where where I really cringe because that is like very simple that you just run a couple of yards close on the angle get into the opponent's face if he beats you you at least take a bit of time or force a heavy touch so another defender can help you out but no they just marshal the opponents and give them time to cross and, and pass around and it's it's just unnerving as as you said we can talk about the positional play in the final third how Dortmund don't create anything but then You know, if if that's not there, at least freaking fight for it. I mean, do you want to win the championship or do you not want to win it? I mean, it's the 98th, 88th minute or whatever. Uh, you know, there should still be enough energy to make a, a small run to defend. And and that's that's really annoying. So, um, Lars, do you think it said a lot that Julian Brandt got subbed in for the injured Pischek and then uh, late in the game got subbed off again? Was this Favre really telling him what he thinks of of the uh, defensive performances of of the uh, how how you, how many years is he old? Twenty three, twenty four. You old now? I guess. Uh, I mean, I didn't really understand why you would bring on uh, Brandt in the first place for Pischek after 14 minutes, because obviously you had a plan with Hakimi uh, as a more of an attacking player after the Slavia performance. Uh, and you had Matteo More uh, on the bench, who kind of is a right back. Uh, so <laughs> I don't really know why uh, they 
uh, changed their plans after 14 minutes uh, because of the injury of a 33-year-old full, uh, fullback against Freiburg. Um, so that that tells you something as well. Then Brandt comes on but has to play again on the wing, which clearly isn't his favorite and he hasn't really done it well for Dortmund so far. Uh, outside of the second half against Cologne when he came on for 30 minutes and was otherworldly, so we know he can play like that. Yeah, but, but so far that's really the only example of Julian Brandt being actually really good for Dortmund. Yeah, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's just because of Brandt's lack of uh, enthusiasm again uh, off the ball and, and, and defensively. I think he's been frustrated uh, with the progress he's made at Dortmund so far, which I th think is completely understandable because they signed him to be a difference maker and so far he's been relegated to bench fodder uh, and playing out of position. I mean, it's not very hard to see the qualities that Julian Brandt has, even when he's not playing particularly well. He still uh, plays a couple of balls through the channels that not a lot of players see, let alone are able to play. So I think... Uh, getting Julian Brandt up to speed shouldn't be so difficult. And I think uh, Lucien Favre is making it more difficult for himself and for Brandt than uh, is necessary. But um, uh, get, taking him off instead of uh, Marco Reus, who once again was kind of terrible against Freiburg, is not something I necessarily understand. Outside of you don't want to take off the captain and, and maybe... He scores uh, from from absolutely nothing because I guess he's more uh, dangerous in front of goal than Julian Brandt. But to me, uh, it, it wasn't a very uh, sensible decision to take the guy off you only brought on because that always kind of makes people wonder if there's something else going on. And <laughs> Exhibit A. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are talking about it now. We would have talked about Brandt's performance, but now we are talking about uh, him getting subbed off and what that means. And... It, Probably it means nothing, but maybe it means something, and 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 I I can't I just don't really understand the entire process with Julian Brandt so far because we know what kind of player he is, we know he has incredible strengths and a few weaknesses, and so far Dortmund have done their best to accentuate the weaknesses and not the strengths, and that's not something good coaching uh, is about. Yeah, that is uh, very true and a very important point to make. Um. There's another thing I wanted to ha have your opinion on because I I hear several angles to this, but it's the late substitutions of Favre trying to bring on a defender, I think, against Bremen. No, against Slavia. It would have been Zagadou who would have replaced Hakimi, I think. And this time it was Schmelzer coming on. Um, I read a lot of opinions about it and, and some say that this sends a very bad signal to your own team meaning you just want to run out the clock and to the other team that Dortmund have basically ceased all attacking efforts. Um, do you think that actually translates on the pitch, this quote-unquote signaling, or do you think this is just people reading a little bit too much into it? I guess both. Uh, I would certainly say that it does send a message to your team, Um Especially when it's like a center half. Uh, I mean, it used to be Toprak last season uh, quite a few times, and Sagadu has been brought on late. That that kind of indicates to the team, uh, you know, buckle down. We we want to head out every single cross that comes. That you know, there might be a set piece coming in, and we need more uh, uh, length and and manpower in the center and whatever. So I I I do think that 
this is kind of uh, an image uh, Lucien or, or, or Dortmund play in the image of Lucien Favre, especially late in the game. And because he's so timid and afraid of dropping points from leading position, that's actually like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy and it happens more often. But also I would say that, um, for example, against Slavia, uh, Mats Hummels was actually kind of angrily calling for the substitution. I mean, he, he signaled to the sideline, when is it coming? When, why does it take so long? And then they scored the second goal. So, um, I, I, it kind of seems like, uh, this is something that Dortmund have intrinsically, uh, kind of accepted as their model, uh, and, and way to go late in the game to bring on another defender. And I mean, I wouldn't do that because I think the best, uh, defensive sub is bringing on, uh, pace and trying to exploit the spaces the oppos position, uh, offers you when they are pushing for an equalizer or even a late winner, I think. I would typically look to bring on someone like Hakimi if he's on the bench late in the game instead of Zagadou or uh, back in the day Toprak. Uh, so that's, I guess that's uh, kind of a question of preference, but it also speaks in, in general of the lack of security and assuredness uh, Dortmund are showing and the timidness of, I guess, the head coach that, that kind of reflects uh, on the team. And, I don't really need, have a way to reconcile that because, I mean, it doesn't work. Like, if if <laughs> bringing on uh, Toprak last season would have secured them two vital points wherever they dropped two vital points late in the game, I don't uh, have an example at the top of my tongue right now. But then, we all know it, it, it went wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, then, then you had, you'd have something to point in and say, see, uh, last season, I don't know, at Bremen, uh, I brought on Toprak and he made the final clearance. Hurrah. Uh, that was what kept us in the title race for uh, a week longer or whatever it was. But I mean, time and time again, they've been burned for this. And, and now, especially with Schmelzer, I mean, I love Master Schmelzer. Everybody knows that, but he has no business coming on in the 78th minute to make his season debut. Uh, defending a, a, a narrow lead with uh, like wholesale tactical changes to accommodate for a left back, like he's not even good in the air. I mean, what 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 was that about? Outside of him being experienced player, but I mean that experience helped you absolutely nothing. Uh, it would have been better even to bring on Jakob Brunlasen, whom I don't rate at all, but at least he uh, is a forward-thinking player and can run quite quickly. I mean, I I just generally don't understand and don't like the, the 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 line of thinking that Dortmund are showing time and time again and I mean they have been burned and they will continue to be burned by it yeah I don't see any any change in that sort of approach to be honest I mean I feel you know just my speculation but I really feel like it, it took a lot of lobbying on of, by by the players to actually change the freaking approach to set pieces um I don't know what the role of Mats Hummels, uh has done there but uh maybe he has a bit more uh <laughs> I don't know power when when it comes to lobbying the coach because we know from uh, from the past from his tenure with Klopp and Tuchel that he is very opinionated and does not uh you know <laughs> just uh, sit idly by if, if he thinks something is going wrong um Another thing real quick I wanted to discuss with you overall is do you think that Lucien Favre is is still on the lookout for for a team and a style of play in general and if we look back to his start of last season and we had I think Marius Wolf playing 
a way to Hannover at, at, at first and Royce on the wing. And then we had Kagawa, I think, as a striker against Hoffenheim on the road and stuff like that. And now we see Hakimi on, on the left wing and, and a lot of uh, different formations so far. Um, do you think that Lucien Favre is, is still searching for something that he feels like he needs to constantly change something, but because things just haven't clicked and he's on, on the lookout for that. And, uh, if so, do you think this uh, is something we might have already figured out by now? Um, I, I, it does feel like he's kind of throwing uh, things at the wall to see what sticks. I mean, especially with uh, Hakimi, uh, for example, as an attacking player, like that worked against Slavia. So obviously it also was the plan against Freiburg. I think that... in. in, in kind of seems to me like what we call in Germany a, a fixe idee, so something that seems to work on the surface but hasn't really been proven over time. Um, I, the same, uh, or not the same, actually, the, the, the opposite happening, uh, for example, with his insistence on Witzel and Delaney again, uh, despite Dahoud playing well against Bremen and despite the team's general setup, to me at least, uh, calling for a more attacking approach from central midfield. So maybe even uh, a system change to accommodate for Brandt, as we talked about earlier. Uh, so it definitely feels like he hasn't found uh, his his groove yet, even though at the start of the season, when the results were still good, he actually played most of the time the same players. I think... Uh, after like five or six match days, I think 14 players had accumulated more than 90% of all playing time in all competitions this season. So there, there wasn't a lot of rotating going on. There, there were basically a starting 11 and then the same three subs all the time or one of the subs replacing someone from the starting 11, but the replaced player would then be subbed on. So there wasn't really, that's, that's why Mario Götze didn't get a chance. That's why uh, Mahmoud Ahoud uh, hadn't played much. So they, they've gone away from that. Uh, obviously, injuries play a part in that. And, for example, Guerrero being needed at left-back most of the time with Nico Schulz out. So he's not an option in uh, a, a position further out the pitch. Uh, especially when Pischek was also out because Hakimi had to play on the right then. Um, but, you know, to me, it, it, it kind of reeks of desperation almost when you change things around constantly uh, without getting actually results. Like, and uh, without the, following the, like one clear plan or, or yeah, I mean that 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 was kind of what I was going for. I mean, you you won the game at Slavia, but that wasn't that that was only a result in terms of they got three points, but the performance was abysmal in my opinion, or, or mostly abysmal. Uh, the 2-2 against Freiburg isn't a terrible result, but also the performance was really bad again. Uh, the same can go for the Frankfurt and the Bremen game. So uh, whatever his ideas were uh, of Lucien Favre to, to make these decisions in terms of the starting 11, they never really came off so far, but, but he's sticking with some of them uh, to a degree that I don't understand, especially uh, Manuel Akanji. The assistance, uh, insistence on him playing is absolutely beyond me. Uh, and and the, the second part of your question, whether, uh, I mean, typically you would assume that a coach in his second year who has kind of a streamlined squad because they let go of a lot of these bench or uh, 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 reserve players that, that don't really factor into things, but kind of uh, cloud the, the training picture. I mean, they are <laughs> all gone. So you only have like, 
I guess, 17 or 18 players who uh, you would typically think of as starting uh, 11 material and a couple of those are always injured. So usually you only have to make one or two decisions before a game, uh, especially when you won uh, a couple of your last few games. But that hasn't happened. Uh, and, and that's that's still something that seems to be... Uh, uh, that they seem to be searching for, which, again, in the second year with... Uh, now three transfer windows under this current coaching staff and in this general setup also with uh, Mat Matthias Sommer, Sebastian Kehl and uh, in, in front office roles, if we want to call them that. I mean, that's not a great sign for uh, Dortmund's general identity, I guess, in footballing terms. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And what irks me or, you know, it's it's just something I miss is the feeling of, actually being tactical superior over most teams which we had with other coaches and obviously is a big luxury and you can expect especially given how the Bundesliga in general developed and and how high the the, the level of, of coaching is now in comparison to three four or five years ago nevertheless um it's it's just a shame that right now you just never feel like there's an idea that can beat other ideas um I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very disappointed and a little bit flabbergasted at what Dortmund are showing week in, week out right now. And I, I think I just raised or had, had too high expectations. Um, I honestly did because I thought, well, this second season under Favre, uh, you know, we might actually see the positives again from, from last season and, and fix the negatives. But, um, so far, I feel like a lot of the good stuff has been wiped away. So, um, that all being said, what are the positives out of this game? Dortmund, for example, didn't concede from a set piece. Anything else, Lars, that you would like to highlight that was really good and uh, something uh, Dortmund can build on? Honestly, no. Uh, it, I mean, maybe I, I uh, focus too much on uh, the the funny slash uh, uh, banter Dortmund uh, that we've got to see again, but I mean I don't really recall anything that made me go, hey, that that's something they can build on. I mean, I don't expect Axel Witzel, as you pointed uh, uh, pointed out earlier, to to score worldies all the time now, and like I don't expect uh, Torgan Azar to still pick up. Uh, easy assists from corner kicks all the time. I think he has four assists and, and two or three of those uh, coming from corners. Um, I don't expect uh, Hakimi to keep scoring all the time uh, because even this goal against Freiburg was kind of lucky and, and he actually made a bad decision in the box and was rewarded for it. So really, to me, uh, the only positive is that the game didn't uh, uh, last like five more minutes because they probably would have lost the game. Uh, which I mean, uh, if if I thought Dortmund were capable of making the right uh, adjustments after defeat, I would have welcomed dropping all points at Freiburg if that made uh, positive change for the rest of the season more likely. But to me, the the entire setup, especially with uh, Lucien Favre's nature as a coach, screams that they are going to keep playing like this and. As I alluded to earlier, the the schedule being so much tougher, I think the uh, 
likelihood of us making or having basically the same talk, but with a worse picture in the standings, like three or four weeks from now is pretty high. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the only positive I, I could like if we're clutching straws is that at some point, I guess some players will pick up their individual form. But um, that doesn't mean there's going to be a more cohesion, especially uh, attacking wise. So may maybe uh, it just it just needs time, and then there will be a development. Maybe I don't know. Um, I just don't see it right now. So um, yeah, I I think we can stop it here, and knock it on the head, because I'm also not in the mood about you know talking about this too long. I mean, we had a weekend where Bayern lost. Where Schalke got a very late equalizer, there was and, and Leipzig also drew. There was so much potential for Schadenfreude, and all that was ruined because Dortmund just couldn't get their shit together. So um, yeah, you can find Lars at Lars Polman on Twitter. You can find me at Stefan Butzko, and fuck you, I won't even say the rest because I'm done now. Goodbye. <laughs>